Good morning. All that introduction and singing and everything was to get us and calm ourselves a little bit so that our ears would be open for the preaching of the word. And if you would turn to First John chapter three, please. First John chapter three. We certainly are thankful that we have a Bible that we can trust. Amen. And uh, that over this translation, over 400 years, it's, uh, it's an amazing to me because I read it pretty often. How many of you read the word pretty often? You, you read it? That's right. It's still speaking to you? I hope so. I, I hope it is still speaking to you. Um, it still speaks to me. For you that don't know me, I won't go into long introductions, but uh, Rachel is my granddaughter. And so uh, Gavin is my great-grandchild. I pray for them, for their salvation, that they'd be saved young. You don't have to wait, you know, until you're in your 30s or something to get saved, right? You can get, get saved young and serve the Lord your entire life. And what a blessing that can be. What a difference it can make. I tell my grandchildren and, um, and their marriages, uh, my daughter, when she got married, she was 10 years ahead of my wife and I. I say that in their relationship, in their understanding, because the first 10 years of our marriage, my marriage, was I was not saved. And so it was sort of like neutral ground. No, I can't, can't say that. It wasn't neutral. It was like adversarial. But uh, uh, it was a pretty rough going. And uh, so they were 10 years. And then I look at the relationship of my grandchildren that are saved and that are, are married, and I go, they're even beyond that 10 years. They, they're starting on such solid ground. And so encourage your children and your grandchildren, pray for them, and uh, that they could start out a life. Why go through? I didn't get saved until I was 34 years old. Uh, you preached this morning about an example, right? Uh, the examples that I had, I did follow the examples that I had. And I wasn't saved until I was 34, and I'm thankful that the Lord finally got through, right? I, I'm, I am. People were praying for me. Uh, you don't have to do that. You can get saved young and have your children confess the Lord. And it, it's a blessing. Amen. It's a true blessing. I'm so thankful for uh, even at 34. I, I'm past the time now that I've served the Lord more than I've before the 34 years. I'm beyond that point. But uh, I'm, I'm thankful for being saved. First John chapter 3. I have three points this morning. The first two I, I want to praise the Lord for, but my, the real emphasis is going to be on point three. So if you think you're getting out early because I get through points one and two quickly, well, try to stay awake, okay? <laughs> um, the, the try, the, one of the things that I did learn that if you're getting sleepy, if you stand up, right? And then if you fall asleep, you'll wake up when your face hits the ground. <laughs> and uh, that, that'll keep you awake for sure. No, I, I, uh, as a pastor, I've had many people that had a, um, uh, in Canada, they worked a, a shift that was 12 and 12, okay? And they'd go from three days day shift, then have a break, and then they'd go to three days night shift, 12 and 12. Not for a month, but that went on week after week after week. And I'll have to tell you, the guys, they come off of that night shift, right? I won't tell on Ian Allen, but uh, <laughs> Ian would get off of that shift, and man, he'd sit down there, and you know how warm it is on that back row? About five minutes. 
I'd have him for about five minutes. So I had to preach quick to Ian. <laughs> so I gave all the points, and then I preached the three points, but he was already gone, so, you know. But I, really, it was hard. It was a hard life, uh, that kind of work schedule. I don't know if any of you have done that, but it's, it's hard. Hard on you, hard on the family, hard on everybody. First John chapter 3, everybody there, say amen. 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 We're going to just read three verses, and then I'm going to expound a little bit. And praise the Lord for, uh, for everything that he's done. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Ladies, aren't you glad that you're called the Son of God? <laughs> Did you know that that's an important phrase? It's more important than you might think because the term sons has to do with the inheritance. Right. See, yes. your inheritance in heaven is no different than my inheritance in heaven. Mm -hmm. He doesn't divide it up between male and female like in, in things. So anyways, it, it, it's very important. And I thank the Lord for it. He says here that we should be called the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when, we, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now we just look to a glass darkly, isn't it? And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. And so we'll read those three verses and then pray, if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we examine what manner of love you have bestowed upon us, I pray that our ears would be open. Lord, that we would be thankful and praise your name. And Lord, uh, as we get through these three points and the challenge comes, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be strong in us. Lord God, and that we come to understand maybe a principle that is so basic that somehow we missed it. So bless us now as we enjoy your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray it. May it glorify you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And so we look at the perfect uh, love. Isn't God's love perfect? Have you ever understand that? Do you, do you grasp that, that it's perfect love? That, that he loved us perfectly, and he still loves us perfectly. There is nothing that you can do to get him to love you more. There is nothing you can do to get, give him a, to love you less. Now, everybody that has, is a little bit carnally minded, they might run with point two. But uh, don't run with it, uh, because he loves you so much. He's going to see you because he has a work to do in you. And that work is to transform you into the image of his dear son. And he'll work with you as, as, as children of God. But in John 3.16, somebody want to read that for me? Go ahead. Somebody like to read? You want to read it? No? Oh, she raised her hand and then you back down. It's okay. John 3.16. You know it. You can probably quote it. But somebody read it so we can get the... Uh, who wants to do that? So go for it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world. The word so is not uh, uh, just about some warm feeling. See, what, before I got saved and before I studied the scriptures a little bit, I, I was always thinking of the word love as some emotional, you know, outcropping. And, and even though there is emotion in it, but the so there means in this manner. So God, in this manner, so loved the world that he gave. And he gave his only begotten son. It was perfect. It was perfect. Now, was there emotion involved? Very much so, I believe, because we are emotional creatures, and I believe that God has all the emotions except for the sinful ones that we have. And even uh, the emotions that he does have, it is perfect the way he uses it. 
And so he, he, has, he has loved us with a perfect love. I'm thankful for that love. I am. I, I'm so thankful that he loves me. I'm so thankful that he looks after me. I'm so thankful that when I go astray that he, he, he I'd use the word corral, but maybe that's not the, you know, he, he brings us in, right? He, he corrals us in. He, he brings us. He redirects us. And, and he will work with me until I'm transformed. Now, is that going to be happening here on this earth? No, it's a work in progress, right? Some kind, we've been saved for 40 years. You haven't attained yet. I haven't attained yet. We're still being more so, I think. Sometimes in those, those years that I've been saved, I am starting to realize more clearly that I, even when I was pastoring that I was in the flesh at times. I have a sermon standing in the ashes and at the judgment seat, all the things that were done in the flesh, you know, are going to be ashes, right? And uh, I, I've used that example. God has shown me in the last few years that I've got some ashes down there. So it, it, it excites me at judgment that now I'm more motivated for the remainder of the years that I have to do things as correctly and for His glory as I can. Amen. Now, really, you know, that's just honesty. I, I hate to say it like that. I, I can remember... Man, did you know that sometimes I, at, at pastoring, this confession time, right? Sometimes in pastoring, I'd get mad at the people. I, I would get mad because I said, man, don't you have ears to hear? I've, I've, I've said this 45 times, you know, that kind of thing, and I'd get all frustrated and everything. And the, the Lord showed me, uh, yeah, but I've said something to you 56 <laughs> times and you're still not hearing. And... Uh, it might not be about the clothes I wear or something, uh, outward behavior, but the attitudes of the heart. Right. Amen. It's the inward man. See, I, I found that the tra in transferring this transformation process, that the outward is not nearly or was not as nearly difficult as the inward man. Mm -hmm. Because the inward man is a secret place. And the Lord, when he gets into there, it gets to ouching a little bit. Especially when he shows us our weaknesses. In Hebrews 7.27, verse 9, uh, also chapter 12, it says that his offering and his sacrifices were done once. It was that perfect. Don't think that his sacrificing anymore on the cross or anything. It was done once for all. And it was done this one time. And he doesn't need to go to the cross anymore because it was perfect. His love for us and the example of his love was perfect. It was imperfect. It, he would have to still make sacrifices, but that's not where he is. He's on the right hand of the Father making intercessions for us, isn't it? That still is an amazing verse to me. And if you turn to Romans, try to keep your place in 1 John, right? Just turn to Romans 8.35. Acts, and then Romans. Eight thirty-five. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know what a conqueror is, right? 
one that can overcome something. And what you're overcoming is that old man. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sort of sums it up, doesn't it? Try to find an exclusion to that. You can't. And if you don't like the way the English words are used, then look it up in the Greek and it'll even emphasize it for you. But it's very, it's a vicarious atonement. We don't use that word as our vicar. A vicarious atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a perfect love. And he loved you that way and he loves me. He loved all mankind that he gave his only begotten son. When it comes to the sacrifice of the son, where my mind goes, I, and I know of his bruised body, I know Isaiah 53 and all of that, but where it says that he made his soul a sacrifice for sin, I, I'm still trying to grasp that. I am. He gave us all, his all. It was a perfect love. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 5.14 with me, 2 Corinthians 5.14. Now, we're going to get back in 1 John after a little bit, right? But uh, uh, So go to 2 Corinthians 5. I'm in Ezekiel. I think I grabbed the wrong page there. Oh, man, I'm going the wrong way. Don't you hate getting older? <laughs> I never thought that getting older was going to be this difficult. <laughs> I never did. I, I, I never did. I, I, I figured, ah, oh, you get older, you know, well, you have this problem, a little bit of this, you know, a little bit of memory lapses and everything. And uh, Anyways, it goes beyond that, I have to say. For the love of Christ, so the love of God is a perfect love, but it is also a perfecting love. It is a perfecting love. Now, when we think about it, you need to keep the love of Christ and of God as your rock, as your foundation. Know that first and foremost. Have it so settled in your mind that no matter what goes on in this perfecting process, that that is what the rock you're standing on. Because every now and then when this perfecting process is there, it can get a little uncomfortable. Because sometimes we go down the wrong road and there needs to be correction. And that could be difficult. I, I can remember when, uh, when Tana and I were, we were first married. I, I tell people, you know how you've got a credit card and you, they tell you you got $20,000 you know, that you can put on it or something like that? When I was a younger man, that was unheard of. That was only for the millionaires, man. You didn't do that. Most, most of the cards, if you had a Sears card or you had this, they want, it was about a $500 limit. Now that, maybe it was because I didn't have a lot of money, but it was a $500 limit. And then, if they lent you the money, they wanted to have something in collateral, like your furniture or, you know, your firstborn children or something, you know. I, I mean, they, they, they wouldn't let you that kind of money. So when I got, first got married and everything, I owed everybody and their brother about $500. And after, I, and after I got saved and got right with the Lord, there needed to be a perfecting process because I brought that with me. See, when I got saved, 
I got saved in a very positional sense. But practically, I had a lot to learn. Uh, it was a process, believe me. And that was one of the things that I brought in, the way I handled money. I didn't give to the church after I first got saved, except when I wanted to be seen of men. And all of this, I, I just didn't, didn't have that concept down at all. And then, of course, after a little while, you get taught in the scripture. You know, you start studying your scripture, and it comes to be a reality, a perfecting process. And so that perfecting process took my wife and I seven years to get straightened out. It was seven years that we stopped buying each other presents. It was seven years that we, we limited ourselves so that we could get debt-free. And uh, it's a great principle. And, of course, during that time, learning how to give to the Lord, uh, tithes and offerings and mission giving and benevolence was all going on. It's a perfecting love. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, as we read, it says, the, as we're going to read, I should say, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now I'm going to go all the way through uh, verse 17, so follow along. Wherefore henceforth... Know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that's true. It's a perfecting love. It's a constraining love. The word constrain is a very strong one. It means that after we got saved, that this love of Christ binds us actually binds us not to serve him but to not serve the flesh it's a it's a constraining type of love it's a very powerful love and I hope that you understand that and I hope you that it's working in you I hope that when people look at you a year from now or five years from now if you're young in the Lord that they go he's a different person that guy that I knew or that woman that I knew over here that there has been a change and that's the love of God working in you. And it should show evidently very clear that God is working in your life. If it's not, then there's a problem. Okay? And you ought, you ought to just understand it and be willing to admit it because if you're not willing to see it and admit it and confess it is the biblical word, then you're not going to press on. You're not going to go and press on. A lot of us... There, there, if I had a picture, I'd draw a circle. You know those, you, you, you know those uh, trains? How many of you ever had a toy train given to you? You know, the cheaper sets, they went in a circle, right? You know. And then you had to buy other things for them, you know, and all the rest and get it to go like this. And, and all of us kids, all we did was run it until the motor burnt out. But, um, well, that's wet with mine. Think of working and having the Holy Spirit working in your life is you're on that train and you're on a track. That track has a course and the destination is Christ-likeness. Okay? A lot of times when the train jumps track, it's over something that is very dear to our carnality. 
very dear to our carnality. It could be fame, whatever. You know, there's so many of them I don't even mention them all. And what a lot of people do, what we tried to do is, instead of getting on back on track, because that's so personal to us, we try to get on track further up towards the destination. That doesn't work. Okay? I've done, been there, done that. It doesn't work. You've got to get back on track where you jumped off. Because that is what the Lord is trying to speak to you about. And if you get back on track where you jumped off, then you can continue on in your journey. It means that we need to acknowledge things. And, and just acknowledge it. Did you know that you still sin? Now, this is practical, not positional. Okay? That practically, we are still in this old man. And this old man came with me into salvation. And he didn't get reformed. You cannot reform the old man. You've got to be transformed into a new creature. It's the new man that has to be developed. The old man, you can mess with him and you can say, oh, you got control of it and all. You don't. That's right. The old man is going to be the old man until we get a resurrected body. And so this love is a perfecting love. And what, be, be honest with yourself. Even the drunks are honest with themselves. I happen to have been down that road. And when I went to AA, one of the things that you said, you, you know, that you had, to, you had to admit that you were a drunkard, right? Well, I don't know. They call it an alcoholic. I wasn't an alcoholic, by the way. I was a drunk. Okay? Nobody ever forced me to drink. Nobody. It was by choice. It was by choice, repeatedly, repeatedly, no matter what the consequences, repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And, and so, because a lot of times people misuse the term alcoholic, and they use it as an excuse. Don't use it as an excuse. We had choices. We have a choice. And if you want to have a reformation, uh, that's one of them that is there. Um, anyways, sorry, get, sorry to get off topic. It's a perfecting love, though. I'm so thankful. Now, how many of you have been in the Lord for less than two years? Nobody? Five years. Less than five? Okay. Less than ten? Less than ten? Okay. Less than twenty? That'd be like two tens, right? <laughs> less than thirty, right? Okay. It's a continual work. It's a perfecting love. I've just now, and there has been times that I've prayed and uh, through the years and everything, but it's just recently, by recent I mean, in, well, a few years now, that I've come to understand the, the time of prayer and how important it is it takes me 10 minutes to calm myself enough to even start to pray. I have a conversation with the Lord during that time. That, you know, we're just talking. Now you say, well, you're talking to yourself. No, I'm talking to the Lord, and, he's, and I, I'm just trying to calm myself down enough so that I can adequately pray. I've been in the Lord a long time. Don't you think that this should have been, like, you know, way back there? 
each of us are different, I understand, and he's working in my heart on that. But uh, what I've come to realize is there's a lot of things that need prayer. Our missionaries, each member of the church. I have people calling and texting me from Canada because I spent so much time up there um, that there's a lot of difficulty going on with different people that they want us to pray. And so I don't want to just say a simple prayer. I want to actually pray for them consistently. And the Lord has challenged me in that. And so I would encourage you, don't wait till later on. Get into this avenue and this blessing of prayer. And then hear the answers to the prayer. Because Amen. see, a prayer list is what God hasn't done. That doesn't solicit praise. A prayer list doesn't solicit praise. Answers to prayer solicit praise. Amen. And uplift Him. See, the, the prayer list... If that's all you're doing is praying and never hearing the answer and the follow-through of it, you, the praise is not there. And as independent Baptists, we need to learn a little bit more about praising the Lord because He is working, and He does work, and He does answer prayer. So with all that, it's a perfecting love. And uh, not only did it say that in the text that we read, but if you go back to 1 John 3 and verse 3, it, it re reiterates it just a little bit. One of the things that I found with uh, this COVID and hand washing and everything, I, it dries your hands out so much I can't even turn the pages of my Bible. I have to lick my finger. Uh, I'd let you lick it, but you know, that's not allowed there. Yeah, but anyway. Okay. So it says here, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. What's the example? God is the example. It said purify him himself. He allows, he is present, he is purifying, he is wanting to purify himself. And you're going to find that you can make some of these changes in the power of the Spirit of God. And the power of the Spirit of God is the only one that can make and edify the new creature. And why is that important? Because if you read 1 Corinthians, no, no, I'm sorry, John 14, 15, and 16, and, and then you look at Corinthians and the Comforter and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, there's, there's this, why it's so important that you're empowered by the Spirit of God is that it says that one of the things that the, Lord, the Spirit of God will do is glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. He shall glorify me, speaking of Christ. And so I, when we're led by the Spirit, we know and empowered by the Spirit, we know what we're doing does bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and how we handle ourselves. So it's a perfecting love. So the love of God is a perfect love. The love of God is a perfecting love. And we're still being tuned in. I, I, I'm amazed at what the Lord... Doesn't, doesn't the Lord speak to you during the day? And when you've done something... See, men, okay. You ever have an argument with your wife? No? She always wins anyways, right? <laughs> Just gave up. <laughs> okay, you younger guys. The older men, we've, we've, we've figured it out. 
mom ain't happy, nobody's happy, okay, that's the end of it. No, uh, the younger guys, one of the hard things for us to do, a lot of times men, is that we're, 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 we find it hard to admit when we're wrong. Because I, I don't know why that is, it, well I do, but uh, it's prideful, but it, it is. And in relationships, you need to make sure See, when I'm at odds with my wife, I've told this story on me before, so you can pass it around. When I'm at odds with my wife, if I'm right, my mind is settled. It just settled. No, I didn't say stubborn. I said settled with the Lord, okay? But when I'm wrong, you know what my mind does? it jumps to the 50 reasons why I'm right. That's right. <laughs> okay? Well, she shouldn't have done that, man. If she would have, if she loved the Lord, she'd just submit. You know, I mean, <laughs> and it runs down this trail. Honestly, I don't know if you've been down this road. It runs down this road, you know. You know, and you're, you're out there 30, 40 reasons why she's wrong. I don't have to go down that road very far anymore. I have to, really, seriously, the Lord showed me after, you know, we've been married 49 years. Um, <laughs> April, uh, I mean, uh, April, boy, get in trouble. <laughs> June 14th, uh, it'll be 50. And so I don't have to go down that road. Usually all it requires is about two or three of those steps, and I go, oh, been there, done that. Okay, I'm obviously not right in this situation. I don't have to defend myself when I'm right. Young men, the key. See, example, right? We're gonna, young men, see an example, right? I'm giving you. Don't go down that road. Because sometimes ladies have this enough button. Okay? They're very patient, very long suffering. And then all of a sudden, they hit their enough button. And when they've had enough, it gets real rough, guys. Yeah. I'm just trying to help you out here. Okay. Now for the main point. Sorry about the rabbit trails. <laughs> Yet, God's love is perfect, it's perfecting, and this is the question. Has God's love been perfected in you? There's a question here. Go to uh, 1 John 4, verse 11. <clears throat> And we're going to read verse 11 and 12. Now pay attention to it. And it's, it's an excellent translation. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Perfected. I believe it's verse 20. We'll see. Sometimes I have. And um, if any man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth it not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? I'm going to park here just a little while. Is the love of God perfected? Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love 
Now, what is the perfected, perfect love referring to? This perfected type of love. Okay? It's referring back to that. Maybe I should have read all the verses. I'm sorry. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Perfected love of God. See, when God saved us with his perfect and perfecting love of God, he saved us not just for ourselves. And this is a hard thing to get over. We praise God for him saving us. And his love is within us. It's an indwelling type of love. But it is not perfected until we learn to love one another. If you are not loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm going to expound on that just a little bit, then the love of God is not perfected in your life. And it's a challenge for us. Because he has saved us for that love to be perfected in us. Not just us saved. This is more than about us. It is about our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is about, and this is the local church setting, and all the verses, maybe it'll make more sense to you what his purpose was for loving us and this perfected love when you get to know the verses about all to the churches and all the examples that he give us of how we're supposed to treat one another in the assembly, okay, in the local church. And then, if you look up the scripture, you're going to find that it's even expanded to those that profess Christ. And then, if you read a little bit further, this love is going to the mankind because we are of like birth. We are brothers and sisters. We are all descendants of Adam. And God loved the world that he gave. See, many Christians are fearful. Many struggle in their Christian walk. And I've come to realize that one of the missing blocks in many Christians' life is this. They got their salvation down. They got that they need to become more like Christ. But the concept that all of this Christ-likeness growth is to be directed outward has been missed. How many of you have ever taken the discipleship? You know, you get saved and there's like 10 steps, 4 steps, 8 steps, you know, that they train you, right? I, I've looked at several of those and the emphasis on loving other people is not there in many cases. Not in all cases, but in many cases. So at the very foundation of our Christian walk, we didn't get the concept that ultimately when we're maturing and walking in the love of God, when it's perfected in us is when we're caring for one another. We care enough for one another to pray for one another. We care enough for one another <clears throat> that maybe we would help somebody. Whoa, man. Financially. Did you know that there's a lot of people in hurts there? Especially in this last year. This has been a crazy year, hasn't it? I have to smile at it. 
because I've never seen so much stupid done in one year in my life. So it's like it set a record with me, you know. And, and I hear it, and believe me, I'm not talking about political parties here or anything. I'm, I'm just going, <laughs> you know, it just is amazing to me. I just go, you've got to be kidding me with the thought processes that are going on here. So it's a record. It's a record. Hopefully the next year will be better, right? I doubt it, but it might be. So it's perfected love. You have to challenge yourself in this. See, I don't know your life. I don't know much about you. So you have to take this. Have you accepted God's perfect love? Totally, completely. You've called on the name of the Lord, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sin. It's a belief that this belief that is there is a transforming power for We've, we trusted in so many other things for our, uh, get, getting us along. If we were religious, we were trusting in idols and other different formulas. But with the perfect love of Christ, it is all based on Jesus Christ and believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. Many stumble at the resurrection, but if you read 1 Corinthians 15, your faith would be in vain without the belief in the resurrection. It's perfect. Did you know that there are several times in the scripture in my Christian growth, I almost came at the attitude of the scriptures trying to find something that wasn't perfect. Whether it's to defend my own ignorance or to perfect my own ways. I can remember that Pastor Boyle talked about giving financially and everything and all of this, and I said, yeah. So I ch I, I, I'm going to show that he's wrong. Of course he wasn't wrong. <laughs> And uh, so I've done that in my Christian walk. But his love was perfect, and his ways is perfect. Now, challenge to you, is God still perfecting you? Or have you got to the point of satisfaction? This is, this is easy to do. It is very easy to do. When you're drunk, when you are drunk, okay, and you are, the way that you behaved, and you sort of, when you get a little bit cleaned up there, you can get satisfied with where you're at. You look the part. You act the part. You've actually cleaned up your life a little bit. Okay, confession time. Before I got saved, before I got saved, I tried to clean up my life. I went so far. I went so far, ladies, you'll appreciate this, that, man, I quit smoking. Because I did smoke. I started smoking when I was like 12 years old, and I smoked until I was 30, until I was coughing up blood. I put fear in me. But anyways, uh, and, and all of this, I quit smoking. I, I, I even, because I was military, I retired from the military, uh, you know, I could swear in several languages. You know, my, my language was uh, vulgar, and, and it was all there, you know, and, and I cleaned it up. And then I got so serious about this Reformation, that I decided to treat my wife better. That was the culmination. It didn't work. I was still under guilt and shame, but the Lord saved me. And I'm thankful that he's still showing me my fault, my, my Christ-likeness where it should be to this day. That's not being trying to be humble or anything. It's exciting to me. 
It is. Because I know where I'm going. I mean, I'm solid here. And if God shows me something that, you know, I'm doing wrong, I don't take it and beat myself up with it. That's not God's purpose. It is to transform me so when he shows me something, I'm thankful for it. And then then i got to do it, right? (laughs) Uh, uh, So there's the struggle. Yeah. Is his love perfected in you? That you care for other people. That you get out of self and you care about God's people. See, the only ones that can make the promises associated with this. Have you ever noticed we're good on knowing the promises of God? How many of you ever read that book, All the Promises in the Bible? You know, I've, I've read it. Um, and we, we, we grab on to those promises, but what we fail to do is notice the ifs. <laughs> the ifs of the promise. If this is done, then this is the promise. If this is done, this is the promise. If you love the Lord, your God, then he'll manifest himself to you. All, all of these are, are promises that are associated with them. And in our, in our text, there's two things. It casteth out fear, and there's a claim of boldness in the days of judgment. Right in our text that we are reading, boldness in the day of judgment. That's when our works are going to be judged, that we would have boldness. We take the boldness, but we forget the boldness comes for having a perfected love. A perfected love. Read the context. If I'm wrong, please show me. It's okay. It's, it, but it's perfected. That we would have and understand that it's just not about us. That it's about our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our neighbors, the local assembly. I'm not giving them an order of priority. To people claiming Christ that might think a little bit differently than we do. And then ultimately to a lost and dying world. And when that happens, we are demonstrating the perfected love of the Lord. So my challenge is, and as we, we're going to have an invitation time here. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, then do something with it. He speaks through the Spirit to us, using the Word of God. And has the love of God been perfected in your walk? Some of us, like myself, to a degree it has. But we can't be satisfied with that. I am starting here an age to see more clearly how, and with giftedness and with experience and everything, how to demonstrate my love towards other people. It, it isn't just a warm, cushy feeling. Some with the young men, see with the young men, I, I mildly gave you something. and It's just got a tinge of reproof there. But it, it's experience, right? That you, you, can, you can learn from this experience. How to, how to use this in, in lives of other people and then allowing God to show us more clearly how to demonstrate this. If you know, there's been about, let me see here, depends on what you call a generation. If it's a 40-year generation, there's been 50-plus generations. If it's 70, I think it adds up to 31 generations. 
But if you would take 120 people that were in the upper room and go and do and follow after not only the perfect love of God and the perfecting love of God, but the perfected love of God, we, as we demonstrated in our scripture in the book of Acts, they turned the world what? Upside down. It wasn't just perfect and perfecting. It was perfected in their life. Read the scripture. And that has power. Now it's 31 generations or 50 generations later. If you would take that 120, and if every one of those 120 people had led two people to the Lord their entire life, and those two led two, you know how that's compounded. It adds up to all the people on the earth right now, plus a little bit more. Depends on if we go 70 or 40. Okay, It adds up really quickly. And what I'm saying is, is what, I'm, what I'm thinking and what I'm trying to explain to you, it's good that you're saved. It's a great thing that God is working in our life. I'm thankful for it. But the purpose is, like Christ, to demonstrate that love to a lost and dying generation. And if you don't love your brother, how can you say you love God? And read the text. So much of your Bible is milk. I'm serious about this. Paul even said, I fed you with milk. So Corinthians is milk. Now think about that. But this, when you get into 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, 1st and 2nd Peter, there's chew food in there. And it takes maturity to digest it. Let it have God have his way with you this morning as we stand together.